Welcome to Leading Lights. You're about to hear a message from Lighthouse Church in Jersey. Praise the Lord. So there was a businessman from Scotland who decided to go uh, down on holiday to the Greek islands to get some sun and some warmth. But his wife was busy, so she could only join him the next day. Anyway, when he got there, he wanted to send an email to his wife, but he couldn't quite remember her email address. He thought he got it right, so he typed it in and he sent the email off, but he, he just got one letter wrong from her email address. And an old wife of a pastor whose husband had died the day before got the email. And she opened her email, she opened the computer, opened the email, and she screamed and fainted. And everybody ran into the room to find out what was wrong, and they read the email on the screen. Remember, this is the, an elderly lady, a wife of a pastor whose husband died the day before. And the email said, Dearest wife, just got checked in. Everything prepared for your arrival tomorrow. <laughs> P.S. It sure is hot down here. <laughs> right, we're talking about resurrection. Lord Jesus, help us. Help us to understand what it was like for Mary and Peter and John, but also for us to experience something we thought was dead, being alive again. In Jesus' name. Amen. We went to a funeral yesterday. Uh, James was leading a funeral of a friend of ours who's an amazing man. He had been an alcoholic and a real, um, just, uh, I don't know what you call him, a lad in his earlier life. He was a, a drinker and a, a fighter, and he used to abuse his family as well. He was a very loud, larger-than-life loud guy, um, but about 20 or 30 years ago, he found Jesus. He got saved. He got delivered from uh, alcoholism. And his whole life was different. And this funeral was nearly two hours long. And it was just one eulogy after another. Just, there must have been 12 or 15 eulogies of people talking about this man and sharing. Everyone thought he was their best friend. Everyone thought he radiated Jesus. It was the most amazing funeral I've ever been to. Uh, and I was just crying the whole way through. And if you were there and you weren't a Christian, it was so obvious Jesus is real and he's alive and he changes people's lives. It was the most extra extraordinary event. Really was amazing. And we're talking today about the resurrection of Jesus. I don't know if you've ever lost something. We talk about death, maybe the death of a loved one or a, or an, a, a family pet even. But even if it's losing a job, losing a relationship, uh, losing a possession, losing your health, losing some money, whatever it is, there's a sense in us when we lose something that uh, psychologists call the grieving process. And it includes confusion, it includes denial, it includes anger, it includes depression. All of these emotions, I don't know how you relate, when, when something is lost or something goes wrong in your life how do you process it my personal belief is that we as humans were never designed to be able to process death you know when you put something metal into a microwave oven you get sparks and explosions and the whole thing is broken because a microwave oven was never designed to have metal in it I believe that human beings you and I were never designed to experience or process death. God made us to live forever, and so death 
is something that we just cannot process and we're not prepared for. And that's why when a death happens, we go through this process of confusion, denial, anger. What's going on? Some of us get busy. Some of us get into deep depression because we're not built to process death. And that's what Mary and Peter and John went through on this Easter weekend. Jesus had changed their lives. He'd taken them out of their normal humdrum lives. Mary had been, I believe, an immoral woman. She'd been living in sin. The Bible says Jesus had cast seven demons out of her. And after that, she'd followed him and been one of his closest followers. She'd supported him with her finances and she'd been his friend. And now she'd seen him crucified on the cross, murdered brutally, and he was dead. She put him in the tomb on that Friday evening. She knew he was dead, and she was trying to process, what is this all about? Have I been believing a lie? Is it a dream? I thought he was the Messiah. I'd seen him heal people. Is it all untrue? What's going on? Peter and John had been fishermen, and Jesus had come to them and said, leave all your nets and your business fishing, and come with me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they'd given up everything. They were following Jesus. They'd seen the miracles. They'd understood. He'd opened their eyes to the kingdom of God is coming. And everything in their lives had changed. And then they'd seen him brutally killed. And they thought, is this it? Is it over? And John chapter 20, verse 1. Hopefully it'll come up on the screen. It says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the, tone, the stone had been taken away from the tomb. She's a, she's a person who processes grief by staying busy. She just goes through what she has to do. She does the routine tasks. She has to go and prepare the body and put spices on it. She's just, she doesn't know what's going on, but she's working through the, the routines of life. She saw that the stone has been taken away and the tomb is empty. She doesn't know what's going on. She's still confused. Her grief has made her unable to even consider that Jesus might have risen again. She can't even consider it. Bear in mind, Jesus told all of his disciples, including Mary, several times that he was going to rise again, but they could not process it. You know, sometimes our grief makes us unable to process the truth. The answer is facing us. It's right in front of us often. The answer to our grief is right there. But because we like a microwave oven with metal in us, we just, our brain is frazzled and we cannot process it. That's what happened to Mary. Verse 2, she ran and came to Simon Peter and the other disciple whom Jesus loved and said to them, they've taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. She's reaching out to other people. I don't know if you do that when you're trying to process grief or a loss. You reach out. What's going on? Confused. Help me. Help me. I'll reach out to anyone. I'll even go to a... I mean, I've seen good Christian people go to fortune tellers and spirit mediums when they have a death in the family because they're just so frazzled and confused. They just reach out to anyone who can help them. Verse 3. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple. They were going to the tomb. They both ran together, and the other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he, stooping down, just 
By the way, this other disciple is John. This is in the Gospel of John. And whenever John in his own Gospel refers to himself, he never calls himself by name. He calls himself the other disciple <laughs> or the one that Jesus loved, but he never says his, says his own name. He's such a humble guy. And he outran Peter. Um, and and he, just, he just says, well, he outran Peter. It's almost like there was a, comp a running race to get to the tomb first, and, and John got there first. But then he admits that he was too scared to go in. In verse 5 it says, And he, stooping down, looking in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. He's confused. He gets there. Imagine the scene. The tomb is empty. We saw him dead. The tomb's empty, and, and John's at the, at the edge of the tomb, looking in, doesn't know what to do. Verse 6, Then Simon Peter came, following him, went into the tomb, and he saw the linen cloths lying there, and the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen cloths, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who came to the tomb first, went in also, and he saw and believed. For as yet, they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. I find that amazing. They had heard Jesus say several times, I'm going to die, and I'm going to rise again from the dead. But it says they did not know that he said he would rise again from the dead. In other words, no and no are two different uses of the same word. They knew Jesus had said, I'm going to rise again, but they didn't know that he would rise again from the dead. You know, like the Bible uses the word know when it said Adam knew his wife Eve. There's a knowing which is an experiential know. It's not just head knowing. It's part of my life, my emotions, my experience. I know now that he's risen from the dead. They knew he said he would, but they didn't believe it. But now they saw and John and Peter knew. And suddenly, their whole paradigm of the whole universe changed. They'd known head knowledge. They'd known Jesus as a good teacher. But now, suddenly, they knew that he'd risen again. That, that even death couldn't conquer Jesus. And it says they ran back to their homes. Verse 10, Then the disciples went away again to their homes. You can imagine how their, the atmosphere in their homes had changed. They'd left their homes that morning in sadness, defeat, confusion. You know, all those emotions we go through when we lose something or someone. They went back to their homes and everything, it was like a ray of sunshine had had shone into their lives. Their homes were now a place of anything is possible. There's hope for the future. There's an explanation. There's life. I now understand why I feel like a microwave oven with metal in me. It's because there's more to this life. I was never designed to die. They knew. Unfortunately, Mary still didn't get it. Verse 11, But Mary stood outside the tomb, weeping, and as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb. She's still in deep grief, confusion. She doesn't know how to process. And you know, some of us take longer than others to process grief, but also the answer to grief. I've known people who've sat in church for 5, 10, 15 years, and only after 15 years does the penny drop and the light come on and they understand what they've been hearing all these years. For some of us, it takes longer than others. And Mary was still in deep grief. Her brain was a microwave that was completely frazzled. She didn't know what was going on. Verse 12, So she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting, 
one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. You know, you can be in church and you can see the miracles. You can see other people's lives change. You can see people getting healed. You can see the power of God, but it doesn't impact you because you're still under the cloud and the shroud of grief and, and loss and confusion. And that's what Mary was like. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said, they've taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Friends, now we're going to see the process of Mary coming to understand. And it starts, please hear me now, the first step is to be honest about how you are feeling. That's the first step. Not to put on a mask of religiousness where we say, oh, our Father who art in heaven, and we go through all the motions, but inside we're not being honest. The first step to unfrazzling your microwave brain is to be honest and say, God, this is it. She says, they've taken away my Lord, and I have no idea what's going on. Verse 14, now when she had said this, she turned around and she saw Jesus standing there, and she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? You know, there's many times that God in the Bible asks people questions. Jesus asks questions. Right here in this verse, he asks Mary two questions. Why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? And I want to just say to you, when God asks you a question, when you get a question in your heart and you're sensing it's from God, it's not because God doesn't know the answer. It's because He wants you to press through and get an answer in your own heart to that question. Questioning is not bad. Questioning is good if we pursue it to the end. And we say, Lord, I want to find the answer to this. Not because I'm trying to prove anyone wrong. I really want the answers. Questioning is good. And when you get there, you will find the answers. Jesus said in, uh, in Jeremiah 29, 11, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. She, supposing him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Bear in mind, she's talking to God, but she doesn't realize it. And there are many people, even here today, and you are talking to God, but you're not even sure if he's there. You're confused. You, say, you just don't know what's going on. Why is this world such a mess? Why do I keep losing the things I love? Why are people treating me like, what's going on? The answer is to do what Mary did. She said, sir, there's an element of respect. God, I'm not sure if you're there, but I, I know that you are. If you're there, you're God, and you deserve respect. If you've taken him away, Lord, I don't know the answers, but I'm willing to question. Tell me where you've taken him. Lord, give me the answers and I will move him. Lord, I will respond if you will just show me. If you go through that process, so you be honest. We saw Mary being honest. She started questioning and then she said, Sir, if, tell me, I will. God, if you're there, show me, I will follow you. And that kind, of a, that kind of an interaction, if you're here today and you're in that place, that kind of interaction always leads to what happened next. Verse 16, Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Out of the blue, God will say your name. And you'll know it's him. And you'll be changed 
forever. Can you imagine the light that dawned, not just in her mind, but in her heart at that moment? Jesus is alive. The Jesus I love, the Jesus I've followed, He just says her name. It's that personal interaction. It's not enough to be in a family that go to church. It's not enough to be in a church every Sunday. I've got to have that personal connection with Jesus where He says my name and I know Him and then I fall on my knees and I say, Lord, teacher, you are God of my life. That's when everything changes and the world goes from dark clouds to bright rays of sunshine. I'm praying that for you if you're here today and you're in that place. Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. The response is always, My outlook on life changes and I need to tell other people. She leaves that place and she goes and she starts telling people, he's alive, he's alive, he's alive. Mary Magdalene was the first person, the first human being to see Jesus resurrected. A lady who'd been steeped in sin, lost, confused. Jesus changed her life and she found him again. And I'm going to pray for us today that each one of us finds Jesus. You know, it's possible that you are so weighed down by the grief of this messed up world that Jesus can be right in front of you and you miss him. But I'm going to challenge you today. Be honest with him. Ask the questions and try to find the answers. Say to him, Lord, if I will, if you'll just show me, I will follow you and he will say your name and you'll never be the same again. You know, if Jesus rose again from the dead, which we know he did, it means that there's more to life than just this physical matter. There's, some, there's a spiritual force that is more than science can explain. It means that Jesus is still alive today and that he is who he said he was. And it means that he wants to meet with you right here in this room, just as he met with Mary. So I'm going to ask us to stand together, please. And we're going to talk to him. We're going to say, Lord Jesus, here we are. Lord, this is me. This is my heart. I'm not putting on a pretense. I'm not putting on a false mask. I'm not pretending to be something that I'm not. Lord, I'm confused. I'm sad. I'm lost. I'm struggling. I I don't know what's going on. But Lord, here I am. Show yourself to me. I want to know you. I want to see you. I want to trust you. And if you can find it in your heart today to believe that Jesus could have been buried but then come alive again 2,000 years ago and that he's still alive today, I'm going to challenge you to reach out your heart while we sing songs for the rest of the service. Reach out your heart to him. Say, Lord, I trust you. Lord, I love you. And he will show you. He will reveal to you today that he's alive. That the power of heaven is greater than the power of even death, and that your whole outlook on life can change from today. We love you, Lord. Lord Jesus, we worship you. I thank you for changing my life. I thank you for changing my friend's life whose funeral I went to yesterday. I thank you for changing so many of our lives, Lord. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that with you, the future 
is bright in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. Thanks for listening. Please visit leadinglightsnetwork.com for more resources and subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Please consider supporting this ministry financially by making a donation on the giving page of leadinglightsnetwork.com or lighthousejersey.com.